0: Hello, and thank you for tuning in to the Indiana Athletic Trainers Association podcast, hosted by the Young Professionals Committee. The views and opinions expressed by speakers, guests, or others who have provided materials to and for this podcast are not necessarily those of the IATA. The IATA assumes no responsibility for, nor endorses any of the comments, recommendations, or materials that are provided. Do you need CEUs? Check out the IATA website, where you can find a link to EBP Central, working in collaboration with athletic trainers to continue Indiana's tradition of excellence.
1: Welcome back to the IATA podcast. Uh, again, my uh, I'm your host, Casey Hebenstreet. Street. Um, we're here today with uh, Dr. Brian Gerlach from the University of Indianapolis, um, and with the summer kind of being where we are right now, we're kind of gonna, we're talking about some interviewing and interviewing tips and tricks that you might, um, that people might have when they're uh, going through that interview process. I know there's a lot of jobs open right now and that's kind of where we are at this point. Um, so Brian, if you want to kind of introduce yourself.
2: Yeah, like Casey said, my name is Brian Gerlach. I am the assistant AD for sports medicine here at the University of Indianapolis. Uh, I'm served in this current role since December of 2018. So coming up on on a full three years here and um previously had served as an assistant at here uh, for about four and a half five years from 2008 to 2012. Uh, in the interim i served as an assistant athletic trainer at dc united of of major league soccer where i was uh where i assisted in the hiring of interns um uh, for those summer internships and then moved on to indy 11 where i was an employee of community health network and uh, was able to hire my own assistant athletic trainers through that, um, through the hospital and, and within the hospital system to, to assist as, as the athletic trainers at Indy 11. Um, and then since my time came there from uh, from Indy 11 straight here to to the University of Indianapolis, where I've, I've been in charge of um, all aspects of the, the operation of the sports medicine department and um, overseeing uh, myself and eight other certified athletic trainers that we have here on staff um, to care for our uh, almost 800 student athletes and, and 21 teams. So, um, uh, had they had the opportunity to hire several people in just a short three years. Um, as we've kind of established our, our core staff that we have here, we had a little turnover towards the beginning of my tenure here. Um, but we really feel like we've settled in and, and been able to hire a great group through, uh, through a process that we feel like has worked pretty well. So we're excited to talk a little bit about it.
1: Great. Yeah. And like a, like we all kind of know, this is the summertime. This is when the AT job market really, really opens up. So um, a lot of interviews, you know, people submitting resumes, um, kind of interviews. So we're just kind of wanted to talk about what are some of the, what are some of those things that um, an interviewer kind of sitting in on an interview an interview is, is looking for um, f- from that, f- from that candidate?
2: Yeah. And in, in the interview process, I think one of the biggest things is, is, is just confidence off the start. Um, and, and somebody that knows what they're talking about, but isn't overconfident in themselves. Uh, you certainly don't want to, to come across as arrogant, but you also don't want to come across as you don't know what you're, what you're talking about either. So I think finding a good balance of, of confidence and humility in, in that interview process, especially in, in that initial you know, what today would typically be a zoom interview, right? You know, they're going to, instead of just doing a phone interview, most places are going to do a, a zoom interview. So you are going to get a little bit of FaceTime, even if it is, um, over the internet. So, um, you know, finding that balance and and presenting yourself well, obviously, even though it is a zoom interview and you may not be face to face, still presenting yourself well, um, dressing well, having a good professional background is important. Um, and, and, you know, making sure what's in the screen is, is acceptable for, uh, for a professional interview. Um, and then, and then putting yourself somewhere that you're comfortable, you know, don't, don't go sit somewhere that you're not going to be comfortable Sit somewhere, um, that, that makes you feel comfortable and, and, and at home so that, so that you're able to, to relax and, and give good, confident answers and, and have a good conversation. Um, I think one of the other things that we look for is personality, you know, don't be afraid to be yourself. You, you are interviewing, them just as much as they are interviewing you so you know you want this to be a mutual agreement to, to go work for someone you know if, if if you don't get a good vibe from the interviewer then you know maybe that's not the right fit for you even even though it may be a job that you really want so that's one of the things that somebody told me really early in my career was you know you're interviewing them just as much as they're interviewing you and um, it, it is it's, it's important advice because you want certainly to have a good, a good balance of, of respect for each other and, and not just, and, and a good understanding and you want to fit the culture of wherever you're going to go work. You don't want to be the the odd man out and, and that your values are, are different than their values. And, and we're all athletic trainers, but we all have our own little quirks and our own personalities and the things that we, we, we deem that are important. So um, just being yourself and, and, and being confident in that.
1: Yeah, I mean, as as much as interviewers have a, you know, a, a list of questions that they're going to go off and, you know, make notes on and stuff like that, it's it's always important for that that candidate, the interviewee to kind of have the same thing, have a have a list of questions that you want answered. Um, I, you know, and, and Brian, you can kind of speak to this a little bit as well. You can sometimes feel and understand and you can, as the interviewer, you can tell that someone's done the research about by some of the questions that they ask, that they ask you. I mean, obviously there's always that kind of those general questions of, you know, what do you like about where you work and, you know, what's this and the stuff like and, and that about, but, you know, it's it's always interesting when you get someone who has, um, you know, some questions that are very, very specific to um, to you and to the job that you're interviewing for, such as like where you know that they've, you know, done the, done the research, looked you up, looked up this university. Um, can you speak to like, how is it how important is it to kind of realize and know the fact that someone's done the research for that for for, for that interview
2: yeah i think it's vital you know if if someone comes into the interview and you know maybe makes a reference to somewhere that i've been without making reference to the fact that i've been there (laughs) you know they they mentioned dc united and and as something that they were a part of but they don't say yeah i saw that you were at dc united or you know but they come in and say hey i saw that you were a part of dc united i you know I got to attend a game there while you were, you know, while you were there athletic trainer and, you know, little things like that or, 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 you know, casual things like that, or maybe something as, as, um, in depth as, you know, what conference you're in and knowing other schools in that conference and, and the, the level and, um, the number of student athletes that you have at your school, the number of sports, the number of staff members, um, if they know you know a couple of the coaches and you know a couple of the accolades maybe that you either someone in your department has had or some of your student athletes have had that's important because it tells me that that person's invested and has has really done the research and that this isn't just so um even if it may be for you which which a lot of people it is um one of 10 interviews that I'm going to have um it's important that you you don't make it feel like that you know I I'll compare it to a performer in a city right they you want they want to make you feel like they're the only that's the only city they're playing in right so yeah, don't, call all, it, don't call
1: away. it the wrong city when they're thinking yeah, you, Detroit, exactly. when you're in that's indianapolis take back
2: yeah. <laughs> yeah so don't don't throw out the wrong city when you're when you're performing for your interviewer so um make them feel like they're they're the only one that you're going after and and that's important and and doing your research is is a great way to show that
1: yeah and kind of the same thing with cover letters and resumes make sure you upload the correct the the, the correct cover letter and and resume it's sometimes it's those Kind of attentions to detail that that mean a lot. Uh, I, I know there's a uh, that's one of the quickest ways to kind of uh, well move. Someone's going to move on when they realize that you uh, completely upload the wrong the, the the wrong resume to it. So it's sometimes those little attention to details they always want to look look for.
2: Yeah, absolutely. You know, it, we can move on to to resumes, and we could spend uh, an eternity talking about resumes and cover letters. And everybody has their own quirks. Um, and things that they look for and things that they, that will be an automatic no for them. Um, and we, as hiring managers, we understand that, you know, you may accidentally put the wrong header on it and you may put, the, leave the wrong person uh, on there. But to me, it just, it just shows attention to detail. Um, and then when, when that things are important to you, you, you'll take the time to get them right. Um, so while I, I won't say that I would disqualify someone right away, if they put the wrong, you know, address on, on a cover letter, it certainly isn't, it doesn't bode well, but if you know, you've got a candidate that's far and above, certainly you, wanna, you still wanna strive for, um, for having the correct name and address and institution that you're attending be the ones that you're actually addressing in your, um, in your cover letter. Um, so and
1: Kind of a random question from that standpoint, if you do happen to realize that you uploaded the wrong cover letter and everything's kind of already submitted through, do you have any idea, like, what's something that you could do to kind of help it out, um, kind of rectify that situation? I know I was talking to somebody else, and they kind of made it a point where they, they basically emailed the, um, you know, head up, like, kind of the the hiring manager right away, say, hey, I actually, you know, hit the wrong one. Here's, here's the correct one that, that, I, that, that is for this, you know, for this type thing. How would you kind of look at someone who might have done that, that, you know, realized they did it and then reached out right away and like, ooh, I messed up. Here's the correct one or, you know, something along those lines.
2: Sure. Yeah. That's a great point. You know, if for me, if, if I'm the hiring manager and someone sends me the wrong, the wrong cover letter and the next day sends me an email saying, wow, that's a a horrible mistake on my part. I'm very sorry. This is the correct cover letter. If you could please um, delete the first one I sent you, you know, my apologies it shows me that they're willing to own up to their mistakes and and rectify them. And it kind of gives a glimpse into what they're, what they may be like as a professional. Um, You know, are they going to just bury their, they made a mistake. So are they going to bury their head in the sand and, and, and not pursue that position anymore? Because if you realize that you sent the incorrect cover letter or the wrong materials to the wrong school or the wrong institution that you're looking at, at working for, you know, you can assume that 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 you're not going to get that position. (laughs) Right. So, but if you do that and then you, and you make an attempt to rectify that mistake, I think it puts you at least in, in a lot of people's minds, it's going to put you back in the running, especially if you're one of the stronger candidates. Um, you know, I'll, I'll pretty much put that person aside. If, if they send me the wrong materials um, not necessarily throw them away, but put them off to the side and they're not going to go in my main stack of um, stack of candidates. But you know, if they rectify that situation and they're one of the top candidates, I'm going to put them back in the running um, just for their ability to, to, to reach out, to follow up, to own up to their mistakes and to, and to persevere and to show me that they're, you know, one mistake isn't going to define them um, as a professional. So, yeah, I think there's an a- absolutely an opportunity to, to rectify that mistake. So don't just give up if, if you realize you made a mistake.
1: Yeah. as that one person said the, uh, that the, their name stuck out to the uh, hiring manager, you know, might not been the uh, original way that they intended, but the, the name was definitely stuck into the uh, the, the hiring person's name, uh, memory.
2: <laughs> and what's the what's the old uh, the old saying? No, no press is bad press, bad press. right?
1: Yeah, so, exactly. Uh, if you get yeah, your name gets, in front of somebody, and that be the it be the name that they point out that always kind of sticks in their mind, well, not going to be a bad a bad thing.
2: I wouldn't I wouldn't recommend it as a as a normal <laughs> marketing tool, but yeah. um, it, it, in the end, if you're one of the top one of the top four or five candidates, it may not be a bad thing for you.
1: Yeah. So, what are some in in those and we can get to the kind of resume and cover letter like we said we can take we can spend for we can spend hours and hours and hours upon just resumes and cover letters and stuff like that. Um, but what are some of the things that you're looking for that that make someone really stand out to you when you're hiring somebody? When you're going when you're going through that interview process, is what I mean. Like, what what are some of the things that kind of make someone really stand out to you?
2: Yeah, in, in the interview process, I think the things that stand out is is like like you talked about the the ability to show that they've done their research, um, not just about you and, and your institution or the people on the hiring committee, but about the position um, and really read the position description very very carefully. I think someone that is is serious about a job and and does really does the research. Will read that position position statement um, very very carefully and put those things back into their answers in an interview. You know we are telling you, everyone is telling you exactly what they're looking for. They're looking for an athletic trainer to work this amount of time, to work this sport, to, and to have these responsibilities. So why not take those things and be that person that is exactly what they're looking for? You know, and and I think then you combine that with your own personality and your own personal experiences. Um, I think on top of that, I think self-reflection is very important. Um, You know, we've, I've been through several interviews where I may know the person um, from a previous, um, from a previous interaction or a previous job. Um, whether they were an intern for us or an athletic training student for us, and, and now we're no, we're getting to know them in a different light. Um, and I think self reflection and, and acknowledgement of of past failures or past mistakes or past um, flaws is very important to be able to recognize those um, and and to indicate how you are tend intend to or have intend to or have in the past began to, to improve yourself as a professional and as a person. So, um, you know, that goes back to, again, if you're able to do those things personally, then I think that speaks to you as a professional to be able to rectify your mistakes and, and, and evaluate yourself and take constructive criticism from others. Um, those things for me are really, really important. So, um, you know, someone's ability to do that and, and, and just not, not be afraid again, not feel like you have to know everything. You know, if there's a question and, and you don't know the answer to it, or you don't have any experience in that area, you know, what is your, what is your experience and what's your level of comfortability with a certain manual therapy technique, you know, rather than say, oh, well, I saw it once and I did it a little bit. I would much prefer you look at, look at me in the eye and say, I have not experienced that. I'm really, really interested in learning more about it, but I haven't experienced it before. Um, and it just shows an honesty because I would much rather somebody, and again, reflecting your professional demeanor, Are is it something that you're going to, are you just going to wing it and try this on an athlete because somebody mentioned it, or are you going to actually go and do your homework and, and do the continuing education to, to become proficient at that, whatever that technique may be to then practice it on a, on, on a, on a patient.
1: Yeah. And I kind of want to point out something you said, uh, said a moment ago with it and kind of whether you do somebody from, you know, when they were an undergrad or student or from a different part. It's so funny, you know, that old adage of it's a small world after all, and everything else like that. Just about every profession you get into, you realize it's a really small, <laughs> it's, it's a really, really small world. Um I know with a, you know, at one point I had, I, I saw someone's resume and saw where they were. And I reached out to a friend that was down in that area that kind of worked with that person before. And you never know when those kind of, you know, past experiences and someone you're working with or someone you're, you know, interviewing to or someone on that hiring committee might know somebody that you interacted with type thing it's there's a good chance there's going to be someone that knows that someone that knows you and everything else like that and at the same time you can use that to your advantage as well you know if someone knew that you know i was there and they worked with somebody from you know from when i was someplace else and they you know had that other person reach out to me it's going to be some there's a chance that you're going to know somebody on that hiring committee in some in some way so you know, it's one of those things where always remember who you've interacted with if, as, as best you can, but always you can use that to your advantage as well. And um, yeah, hey, can you reach out to whoever it is? And, you know, about this job, I'm you know, looking to apply there and kind of reach out to that person. And like I said, each time you get your name in front of somebody, it's going to be beneficial for you.
2: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, every, every day, every week, every month, every year that you are a professional or even a student, um, attending professional activities, whether it's continuing education course or, um, or, you know, Glada or IATA, you know, you are in a job interview. And and I, I, took, I spoke to, I had the opportunity to speak to a group of Franklin students a couple of years ago uh, on a panel and, and somebody asked about, you know, how do you approach an interview process? And I said, well, I got news for you. Your interview process is this two years that you're in every clinical rotation you go to, that's an interview um because you're you're showing these people what you are like um and your actions will to to be cliche your actions are going to speak louder than words you can say you do all these things but if they turn around and go well they weren't like that when they were here <laughs> you know it's one thing to, to improve yourself but you know it's it's so important that to realize that everything you do and every interaction you have with with professionals at this point especially to you new grads out there um everywhere you go it's it's a job interview and it's um it's important to to maintain your professionalism but also be your be yourself too you know we don't want you to be a robot um it, it's really really important to to maintain that
1: yeah and you know what here's a question for you like for someone who's the the interviewee that's you know inter interviewing for a job and stuff like that um what are some tricks of that that you would suggest about kind of reading a room and kind of reading, you know, sometimes it's really difficult to do that on a phone or do it on a zoom interview. Um, Do you have any tips or tricks, you know, that someone can utilize for trying to, you know, maybe read facial expressions or read a room or anything else like that when it comes to um, getting to that point of kind of in face and live interviews?
2: Yeah, it's, it, it is a tricky topic because, you know, it, As I said about five minutes ago, be yourself, right? So if you're if you're a joking person, and I know you well enough, Casey, that you're (laughs) you're a jokester. But um, you know, if if you're a joking person and you like to to have fun and and keep the room light, it's intimidating because you go into the interview and everybody's you know stone faced, and you know as you start talking, watch people's facial expressions very carefully and their body language very carefully, Um, and, and you'll get a feel for whether they're interested in what you're saying. A And if they're not, then you probably need to change your topic or change your tone. Um, But I think reading that room is, is important and, and, and finding out, you know, if you, if you throw a small, you know, work appropriate, um, (laughs) and joke out there and there's nothing, you know, maybe that's the, the one that you throw out there and you don't leave another one on the table. Um, but you can, then you, you, you'll feel that, you know, you'll get the that back. And also at the beginning of the interview, you yeah. know, if you get in and they're chatting with each other, um, you can learn a lot about the culture of a, of a workplace just by the, the, the room, whether it's a zoom, you know, waiting room or, um, or, 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 an actual interview room when you walk in and if, if, if it's dead silent, or if the people are joking with each other and chatting with each other, when you start, you know, you can get a good feel for, for the, for the, the culture and the atmosphere that you're going to encounter uh, if you do end up working there, and kind of what it's going to be like in the in the interview. So, um, yeah. obviously, always err on the side of professionalism. Um, and even if you're joking, it's okay to you know y- you can maintain that professionalism through a through a lighthearted interview process. Um, but it is it's always 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 err on the side of of professionalism because the last thing you want to do is is make a joke that you know that hits the wrong nerve or offends someone in the room, um, and then all of a sudden you went from being in in the top few candidates because you're on an interview to, to being out of the running very, very quickly. So um, like you said, read the room. It, it, it is a skill to read the room and to read people's body language, um, to read their facial expressions. Um, you know, are they leaning into you? Are they sitting back in their chair and making, are they making eye contact with you or are they not? Um, are they making constant notes? Or are they doodling on their paper and not paying any attention to what you're saying? You know, all these things are going to be indicators of, of whether they're really interested in what you what you have to say. You know, maybe maybe you try to make a joke to 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 regain their attention, um, and then if it doesn't work, then you know you you'll you'll get that hint very quickly. I think yeah. um, I think having the the courage and the, and the confidence, and that, this goes back to the first thing we talked about, is to you know have that confidence to yeah. You know, if if that's your personality, make a joke, and if they don't laugh, maybe it's not you know. Maybe either, maybe it was a bad joke or, um, and it wasn't funny, or maybe it's just not the the same crowd that you would be interested in working for. Um, so, you know, it it is difficult. It's, it's probably one of the hardest things is, is reading a room. And that's, I think that's what makes interviews so intimidating is that you don't really know what to expect of the people that you're interviewing.
1: Yeah. I think, Uh, I, I think one of the worst interviews I ever had, it seemed like one of the, um, I think it was for my undergrad getting into the undergrad athletic training program. And I feel like one of the interviewers fell asleep, just stone-faced the entire time. And it's like, it was, it, it, that, that, I don't think that interview really went all that well for me uh, at that time. Cause it was just really, you know, one person was kind of smiling and kind of nodding. The other person was just stone-faced right across type thing. Yeah,
2: that's not great.
1: (laughs) It was, it it was a tough, it was a tough situation, but it's one of those things where you learn from. Um, I know at, at that point I usually will have in an interview, I'll usually have you know, I'll try to think of some questions some answers to questions I think might come up and I'll try to have maybe two different answers one that's a very very kind of serious answer that's going to be you know along those lines for interviewers that are going to be when I read the if I read that room to be a very serious kind of very very professional room type thing I'll kind of give a very I, I have an answer kind of ready for that or if I kind of read a room that's going to be a little bit more lighthearted, and you know I've got a little bit of nodding I've got some smiles going it might be a little bit of a lighthearted answer but, you know, those same kind of things are in that answer might just be in a delivered in a different way. So I guess one of those kind of tips is kind of have a have a number of potential answers and avenues um, that you're comfortable with kind of prepped and ready for some of those kind of more general general questions that you might might encounter.
2: Yeah, and, and have a have a joke or two ready too. you know, if, if you're interviewing with someone and if the position is in the deep south in the middle of the summer, you know, make a crack about the weather um, You know, some of those some of those little run of the mill things that are a little um, a little elementary, but may the mood. I I personally, if I'm going into an interview, um, I I like to try to lighten the mood from the start. Uh, I think it always helps. I think it likes it takes a load off you. Um, And honestly, sometimes for most of the time for candidates, I like to try to make a joke off the start to to help them relax a little bit. And I feel like you get a better if you can get someone to relax, you get a better sense of who they are. Rather than just being a robot that's so nervous to interview, um, you can't really see through that that exterior to, to to their real personality.
1: Yeah, yeah, and you know, kind of move, it, kind of shifting gears a little bit from kind of the actual interviewing side of um, the side of the hiring process. Um, and like I said, like we've mentioned before, we can spend hours on you know that resume and cover letter and everything else like that. But I want to kind of touch on a little bit of. Um, when you're sitting down and reading through some resumes and everything else like that, what are some, um, for you, what are, what are a few little do's and don'ts that you might have when kind of looking at a resume, you know, make sure that you can read it through and it makes sense to you or kind of what are some ideas that you might have for somebody that would, you know, make it to where they, their resume would be the one that would stand out.
2: Yeah. I think, I think the first thing is to, to really put some care into your into your resume. Um, and, and to tailor your resume for every single position that you apply for. Um,
1: you know, if, if you're applying, that a lot of people don't do as much is kind of tailor that yeah. resume to, 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 what they're, what they're applying for. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's, it happens all the time,
2: you know, all right, you applied for the swim dive position or for the, we'll say, yeah, we'll, we'll say you're applying for a swim and dive position and you have the swim and dive experience somewhere that you've been, but it's the fifth bullet point under that position, why would you not move that up to the top? Right? So you want to highlight that. That goes back to what I said earlier about, um, about knowing the position statement and knowing the requirements and what the hiring manager is looking for and making yourself be that person. Mm -hmm. So if you're able to, to put those strengths and things that you know, they're looking for highlight that on your resume, you know, shoot, I, I wouldn't care if, you know, as a hiring manager, some may not like this, but I wouldn't care if you put it in bold. That tells me that you know what the requirements of the position are, that you've done your homework and that you're making sure that I see that,
0: Mm -hmm.
2: you know, put it, put it at the top of the, you know, under your position and and how long you've been there and where it was, you know, that first bullet point I provided two to three years of, of coverage for swim and dive at X institution Mm -hmm. Um, and, and make yourself, make yourself be that person. So um, I think that's one really, really important thing is to, to highlight those experiences. The other thing for me is, and this is kind of getting down into the nitty gritty a little bit, but, um, you know, make it readable yeah. and, and have someone else look at it. So I wrote it, right? I wrote my resume. It makes sense to me. Mm-hmm. Give it to two or three other people. Pick a couple mentors that you know well, have them review it and say, hey, does this make sense to you? Because if I wrote it, um, it's going to make sense to me. But yeah. I might give it to you, Casey. You, I might give it to you, Casey. And you might go, what in the world is this? <laughs> you know, this is all over the place. And, and that's what they're going to look at it through the eyes of, of the hiring manager that you're sending it to. So making sure that you have somebody proofread it. Don't be so proud that you look at it and go, okay, this is really, really good, right? And, and just know, have another professional, another athletic trainer, preferably look at it. And then somebody yeah. outside the athletic training profession you know, other professions, you look at some resumes and they're, you know, vastly different from what we, what we typically see. Mm-hmm. So you may pick up some ideas. Oh, I like how they, you know, split up their career in, into these different, um, you know, in, into these different categories or how they highlighted their experiences at, at those experience at, at those jobs. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, look at, look at some others in outside of athletic training and then have someone outside of athletic training review yours as well. And then, and, and don't be so proud, and, and make sure you you take some take some some constructive criticism and and learn from those individuals, whether they're your peers um, or whether they're the mentors of yours. Um, and, and then I think the the final thing that is really just to um, not it's really really important to put everything on there. Mm-hmm. So put everything on there. So I, I would much rather see six bullet points that outline what you did at a position rather than not even listing your sport assignments. Yeah. You know, it, it's, it's great to have a one page resume, um, especially as a new grad where you may not have as much experience under your belt, but you, you had experiences as a new grad, as, as an undergrad or as a master's student, you had good clinical experiences and I may see something in your resume that's maybe you don't have somebody as a reference, but I may see something in your resume, go, oh, I, I think I might know someone where they worked, mm-hmm. you know, and our networks are very big. And if you've made a good impression on that person and I call them up and, and they've got good things to say, that moves you up on the list immediately because it's good people knowing good people. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and we all have a network of people that we can trust that aren't going to send us or recommend someone that's, that's not very good. So, um, you know, don't be afraid to put, you know, for me, I I'm not, and I know there's a lot of people out there that'll disagree with this, but I'm not a big proponent of, of the one of limiting the resume to one page. Um, now, if that's all you have, don't throw a bunch of crap in there that, you Mm -hmm. know, isn't, isn't relevant, but if you have relevant experiences, go ahead and put them on there and tailor those experiences to the job that you're, that you're, that you're applying for.
1: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And like, like we meant, like you had just kind of mentioned, we mentioned earlier, athletic training can be a really small world sometimes. So you never know when when you're going to find somebody who knows somebody who knows somebody, and that's going to kind of filter through from, from that standpoint.
2: Yep, I, I've uh, I've had I've had a lot of a lot of coworkers. You know, I your network grows so quickly. Yeah. You know, your network grows so so quickly, and you know, there's people that I don't even know that well you know, that I haven't spent a ton of time with, but I respect their professional opinion because of whatever time we did spend together mm-hmm. or because I know their resume or because I know the experiences that they've had at, at a certain level. Um, and, and if that person, you know, calls me and says, hey, this person's great. Or I had this person as an intern and they were really bad. yeah, um, that, that means a lot, you know, and, and so making good impressions and, and understanding that, you know, it's a, it is a very, very small world, especially if you're in athletic training, um, or if you're in a single sport within athletic training,
1: mm-hmm.
2: you know, we had a lot of interns roll through the, the professional teams that I worked with in, in soccer and, and it's, it's a very, very small world and you can get yourself in or out of that population. And that, that brotherhood of athletic trainers <laughs> very, very quickly. Um, it's just as easy to get yourself out. It's actually much easier to get yourself out than it is to get yourself in, Yeah. Uh, but in, in, a, in a bad experience can, can, can be, a, can be really, really detrimental.
1: Mm-hmm. Um. And, and I know the two of us were kind of talking here and there. And uh, again, you know, I know we keep going back and saying that we can spend hours on resumes and cover letters type thing. Um. But I know that we had kind of mentioned something. And you know, you, you go on, you can go on Google and you look at Google and everything else like that. And it kind of gives you this idea of like, Oh, you know, resume should only be one page and only have like the, you know, bare minimum of it, of that type thing. And then your cover letters where everything is, it's gets to be expanded and everything else like that. But a lot of times when I kind of look at those things, I have a really shallow resume and they have this way too detailed cover letter. That's going to take you 20 minutes to read. Um, I feel like sometimes with athletic training that can be switched a little bit. Like what's your kind of kind of happy medium between the resume and, and the cover letter.
2: Yeah, I, I do think as athletic trainers, we have so many so many different skill sets because we are, unlike a lot of professions, especially in, in the medical world and in, in, in healthcare, we are so multifaceted as athletic trainers and we have so many different experiences, especially in the collegiate setting where we work with so many different populations. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's important to, to highlight those experiences and to, to put more information than, than not on mm-hmm. a resume. Yeah. Um, and One of the things that absolutely drives me crazy is when, um, when your cover letter just re- reiterates everything that you said on your re- resume.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, and you know the, your resume says you worked here, here, and here. And then your cover letter says, oh, I worked here and then I worked here and then I worked here. Well, I read that once. I've got 60 applicants. I don't want to read that twice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so that's something that, that I don't really like to see. I would much rather see in a cover letter maybe highlight one of those experiences and why that experience is relevant to our position here and how it's helped prepare you for this position here. Um, or what skill specific skill you have that's on your resume that also would really, really benefit our staff here at UND or wherever you may be applying. So um, pick, pick and choose one little gem uh, mm-hmm. in your arsenal and and really highlight that in your cover letter and talk a little bit about your personal qualities um and 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 then highlight what you can do to to provide some some benefit to them um because you're at the end of the day you're trying to sell yourself um as as the best candidate to them and if you just reiterate what's on your resume you're not you haven't provided them with any more information or any more incentive um for them to for them to bring you in for an interview or to even look at your resume again so Um, I guess that that would probably be the take home message is incentivize the the hiring committee to read it again and and to then and then then reach out to you and and for give them a reason to want to talk to you more
1: yeah it's it's crazy I mean I've kind of gotten the chance to be kind of on that the the first committee a hiring committee I've ever been on type thing and kind of it's it, it was very interesting going back and looking through you know resumes and cover letters and you know, I, I don't think I saw one that was the same across. It, it, everyone has their, every, single, every single one has their kind of slight differences here and there type thing. Some good, some need improvements here and there, but yeah. um, it's, it's one of those situations where it's crazy how different things can really be from you know, person to person and across the board and kind of what direction some people kind of kind of pick and choose to go with from that standpoint.
2: Yeah, you know, I, I would say that there's not a wrong way to do it, but I think there is a wrong way to do it. There's not there aren't many wrong ways to do it. Yeah, there, there are a million different ways to do it out there, but there are definitely a few ways that are not so great. Um, but just because I don't prefer a, a one page resume doesn't mean I haven't seen good one page resumes. Mm-hmm you know, you can be, especially as a new grad, you can be really concise and, and condense a lot of information into one page and, and it, and make it really clean and really easy to read and highlight your, your strengths in, in that way. So, um, you know, just because, you know, one person says that they don't like a one page resume, doesn't mean you can't put together a very good one page resume. And sometimes it requires a one page resume.
0: Yeah.
2: Um, you know, look at go, I mean, I don't know if we can talk about go for else on here, but you know, <laughs> you're probably going to need on go for Ellis. You're probably going to want it to be one page highlight, you know, who you are, where you've been, what you do. And, mm-hmm. and that's all you really need. Um, and just, you know, really goes back to just really catering everything that you do to that position. Yeah. Um, and I, if you take the care and the time to do that, even though you may be applying to 30 positions um, at once, then there's nothing wrong with doing that, but make sure you take the care and time you you're going to be a much more, um, attractive candidate. If you take the care, if if the hiring manager and the hiring committee can see that you've taken the time to, to tailor your application to them.
1: Yeah. And, and I think this is something someone told me one time when I was, this was a little bit later on in my career, like me interviewing for positions and stuff like that. Um, and I don't know how much it bothers you or if it makes it much of a difference for you, but saving your resume is a PDF file instead of that word file type thing you know, somebody mentioned to me, it's like, yeah, why, why do you have it as a word? Like, I, that's just how it is. Like, no, go in, save it as a PDF and upload everything as a PDF. And one of the reasons people told me is because then you can't, the if you open up a Word document, you can see, you know, the editing changes and maybe misspellings and kind of weird stuff here and there. When you make it as a PDF, you can't see any of that stuff. It's set in as an end, like someone can't go in and alter and mess around and, you know, everything opens the same as a PDF and nothing, you know, might not open the same as a Word document. So, one of those random little trips of tips of, you know, save things as PDFs and upload them as PDFs instead of those word documents that you created them in. Not everyone's using the same version of word.
2: (laughs) Yeah. And you know, your formatting may be off. And if, if, if a hiring manager opens it on their phone, it may, you know, or on their tablet or their user use a surface or, you know, the, the formatting, you know, the, or if they open it uh, in Google docs, you know, a PDF is going to come up the same no matter what. And, And you're, your formatting could be completely butchered uh, if if you open it and open it in Word in, in a different platform. Yeah, um, yeah, that's so a great point.
1: Yeah, you have any other kind of kind of off the cuff, off the top of your head for interviews, resumes, cover letters that you might want to kind of highlight and point out? Um, kind of went through just being confident, you know, in the interview. You know, do your research before you go into it. You know. Have someone else look at your resumes and cover letters before you, you know, before you send them out, make sure they, you know, they read well across the board for everybody that might be reading them, not just, not just you. You have any other, you know, any other tips or tricks that you kind of want to, um, that you might want to kind of point out?
2: Yeah. You know, a couple of things that come to mind, if, if you're a person that gets really, really nervous in interviews and, and struggles, practice. Yeah. You know, have talk to one of your preceptors or one of your instructors and say, Hey, can I do them? I've, I've done several of these with students um, where they'll reach out and say, Hey, I, especially those that a couple of them off the top of my head that wanted to work in pro soccer um, said, Hey, can you, can you interview, interview me like you would if I was applying for a position in on, on your pro soccer team?
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, and, and they said, you know, it's, it's a really valuable experience to get some of those questions asked and, and to start to def- formulate what your answers would be in real time, mm-hmm. um, and what your body language is going to be like and, and answer your questions, ask yourself in, in front of the mirror or in front of a camera. You know, it's yeah. so easy now to, to just turn your phone on and, and record yourself, you know, have a list of questions and, and pretend to, if you don't have anybody to bounce ideas off of, just ask yourself some questions on camera and see how you act, see how re- you react, you know, are your shoulders up? Is your head back? Are you making eye contact with quote unquote yourself, um, in the screen or with your hiring manager, um, or committee in the screen, um, you know, what does your face look like when you're talking, um, all of those things. And and I think the biggest one is just body language and how well you project and how well you enunciate. Um, if, if you don't realize that you throw out a lot of ums and likes and, you know, those types of things, uh, you you may not realize that if you don't video yourself, you know, that was one of the biggest things going through my doctoral program that I I received is from my, before I defended my dissertation, you know, one of my, one of my professors said, you need to video yourself, giving your presentation and then you need to watch it and then you need to do it again. And then you need to do it again. Um, so that, and it it was really, really helpful. Um, so I think that's a really, really important thing is to practice and, and get those experiences. Um, and if you have the opportunity to do a mock interview anywhere, take it. Um, so, you know, there's no such thing as a bad interview process when it comes to experiences with interviews, because if you have a horrible interview somewhere, that's a good experience for you because you're going to learn what did I do wrong? You're going to be able to reflect on that and, and make them make your mistakes better. So um, I think that's probably one of the biggest things is to, to practice and, and to try to make yourself better and put yourself in the stressful situations. Um, yeah. Also, come up with some stock answers for for what you think, for what you know some questions will be on interviews. Mm -hmm. And if you don't know what questions will be on interviews, talk to your professors, talk to your your supervisors or your mentors and and ask them, hey, what kind of things do you think they're going to ask me on an interview? And and come up with some answers. And if you're not a person that's good at thinking on your feet, come up with some answers to those questions and practice the answers to them. Um, Not so much that you're a robot in the interview, but just so that you have an idea of what direction you want to go so you don't start throwing out things that don't even reflect what you are or who you are or what you want out of your, out of your career.
1: Or start to not actually answer the question and just kind of go in a roundabout way and just, well, I asked you what this would be. And you gave me um some diatribe about something completely unrelated type thing. Exactly. <laughs> that like, like, I think we had mentioned it numerous, numerous times as well. I mean, we could spend probably hours and hours of, you know, just content of just talking about interviews and resumes and cover letters and you know how to do this and how to do this and tips and tricks and everything else like that um so you know we only have kind of a shortened of you know somewhat condensed amount of time for for the um for the podcast wise but um i think one of the one of our biggest things is you know everybody is a little bit different so it's really hard to give you like a you know to give people that you know straightforward like this is how it's always going to be type of answer you know type of situation with it. But I think one of our biggest takeaways is, you know, make sure you're asking people around you, ask them, your preceptors, ask some of your coworkers, ask some, you know, the people you work with, ask, you know, you got the job from your boss, but if, you know, if you're ever looking to move forward or anything else like that, make sure you're talking with, you know, someone, you know, ask your boss, like, Hey, can we do another mock interview? Can we do a little mock interview for this? You know, you know, my goals are for this and I'm, you know, got a chance for this. You know, can you, can you work with me from that standpoint or your preceptors, if you're a new, you know, a new grad or you know just just getting certified from that standpoint and then also kind of take a look at your resources i if, if i remember correctly um for years the naata um, at the you know uh, symposium has done we'll do mock interviews and stuff like that and we'll do resume reviews um, in the young professionals area for a for the naata conference um, i'm sure in your areas you know glada or ita or you know ot ohio or illinois or michigan you know if there are symposiums they might bite might be doing some of the same stuff um so make sure you you know are aware of your resources and utilize and utilize those kind of going forward and you know getting prepped for your interview and do your homework i think is one of the other big things we kind of mentioned you know make sure you're doing your homework make sure you know you know what you're applying for what you're interviewing for and you know make sure you try to highlight as much as you can for those for those things
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think I think my take home message today would be to, you know, make sure you tailor your application and your interview process to each position individually. I think that makes you a much more attractive candidate.
1: Okay. well, uh, Brian, thanks again for coming on. Thanks again for sharing your insights um, and just interviewing and the interview process and, you know, applying for jobs and kind of getting through uh, getting through that. Um, We'll we'll talk to you next month. Thanks again.
2: Thanks, Casey.
0: Thank you for listening to the Indiana Athletic Trainers Association podcast, hosted by the Young Professionals Committee. The IATA would like to thank elite sponsor Methodist Sports Medicine, silver sponsors MyoTech Sports Medicine and Community Health Network, and bronze sponsor Ultra Ankle. Be sure to follow the IATA on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube for information on any upcoming events.